we're going to look at, we're just going to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to, we're going to look at some more as we go. We're going to look at the title tonight, The Power of Prayer. We pray. We come to church, we pray. We've been having, for months, we've been having before service prayer. And uh, so we, we believe. When we have someone that we care about, we pray for them. When we have situations that we face that we have no control over, we pray. And so the question is, does it do any good? And tonight we're going to look at some answers, and we might kind of focus on prayer for a few weeks, the beginning of this new year. We're going to look at prayer because I honestly believe it's the most important thing, the, the most important thing. And, and, and if we can get a grasp of what prayer is and how powerful it is and what effect it has, I think it'll cause us to pray different, see God different, see ourselves different, and have more faith. So we're going to look at Matthew 21, verses 21 through 22, uh, and we're going to look at this again, this title, The Power of Prayer. If you've got that uh, tonight, stand for the reading of the word for two verses, if you can. And it says in Matthew 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, Ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also that if ye say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Ye shall receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that your word is true. And God, this is as real today as the moment you said it. And God, we believe it. And God, I pray tonight that you would stir us in such a way that God of faith would fill our heart and soul. That we would quit listening to the lies of the enemy that tells us that it's ineffective, that it's not going to do anything, but we're just talking and nothing happens. And God, we would see the mighty hand of God move. Lord, we need to see you in 2021. And God, if you do anything in this church, let this become a church that believes you when we pray. And God, that you would answer that God people's faith would be lifted up. And God people would know that this is a church that believes in you. And that we would see the hand of God do mighty, miraculous things. I believe it and we believe it, God, that you're still on the throne and able to do more than we can even ask or think. And I pray tonight, God, that you would give us even more faith to believe it. And God, I thank you for what you're going to do. Move in this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus, in these verses that we just kicked off tonight, we started with here our, our text. Is, is Jesus has just uh, 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 rebuked a fig tree. And within a few short hours, they come back and this fig tree is dried up and it's just shriveled up. It's gone. And so they were amazed at what Jesus, my goodness, Lord, you, you can command and a tree dries up. And so Jesus uses that as he does many things. You know, Jesus, they didn't ever ask Jesus, uh, Jesus, teach us to preach. They didn't say, Jesus, teach us to heal. The one thing that the disciples seen in Jesus' life that got their attention, that they wanted to know more information about more than anything else, is when they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why did they ask him that? I mean, if you look at Jesus and all the miraculous things he did, you might think that somebody would say, teach us to heal, Lord. But they knew, they had already had the answer. They realized by watching his life that the key thing that underlined everything, if it wasn't for the prayer, there wouldn't be the healing. 
if there wouldn't be the prayer, he wouldn't know to go to that well to talk to that woman. If it wasn't for the prayer, he wouldn't have the ability to do the things that they seen him do. They knew that every morning it killed them because they wanted to sleep and he would drag them out somewhere to pray. And when he got done praying, there was just something about him, a glow on him. And he had wisdom that he didn't have. And he had power that he, that he was just something supernatural happened. They knew the key was prayer. And today in the hour that you and I live, the enemy has tried to keep that great secret a big one. He wants the church to know, well, that was Jesus. Of course, Jesus, when he prayed, things happened. Have you ever wondered about that? Why did the Son of God even have to pray? I mean, he's God. Why did he have to pray? For one thing, he's given you and me an example. And he also said that what he did, greater things you and I would do. Why? He goes to the Father, and he sent down the Spirit. And so the things that he did, we could, so we can't sit back and say, well, the God doesn't. And there, there is a, a generation of people that believes this. What happened in the Old Testament, I mean, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts was for the book of Acts and to show who God truly was, and that's when it died. When those apostles died, it died with them. No, that's not the case. The same healing, and if you are like me and you've experienced that healing power, you've experienced God doing the miraculous in your life, when you've had God answer something so specifically that there is no question that it was God heard you pray and He did it so perfect there was nobody else could take credit. If you know that, then you're able to say, that's not true. Because what he's done. And there's probably even some here tonight or maybe some that's watching online that you have never seen the mighty hand of God do something. And you're wondering, you've been wondering, is God real? Does he? Let me tell you something. There is. We could ever, if we took the, the, the testimonies that's just in here, I could tell you a hundred. And I don't know how many of you could tell of the things that God has done so specifically. Even since I've been in this church, God has done the same thing so specifically that it was like, God, you heard me when I cried. God, you are a faithful God, and you want to move. So tonight, we're looking at the power of prayer. Max Licato, if you've read some of his Christian books, uh, he had this quote that I thought was pretty good. I don't agree with everything he says, but this was pretty good. He said, the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it. Our prayers do make a difference. He's saying that prayer is not powerful because of who we are. It's powerful because of the one who hears it. And so we, the, the enemy does not want the church to pray. If there's anything that we get a solid foundation in this year is prayer changes things. I remember seeing that as a kid growing up. And some of the, in my, the, I went to a Christian school and from the fifth grade on, and I remember some of the girls would have little, uh, the little things hanging in their little private office, and it would prayer changes and little signs and trinkets. That's wonderful, but you've got to get it inside your heart to realize that, that it's true. So we're going to look at tonight five things that the power of prayer does and the things that are enabled in a believer's life when they tap into the power of prayer. And, and, and none of these is, you, you know these things, but we've got to grasp hold of it because if you grasp hold of it, you're going to see your prayer life's going to change. Let me, let me tell you this on the outset. Uh, my life has been impacted more by that one thing than anything else. Prayer changed my life. My life was changed as a child hearing my parents pray for me. And the fact that the, some of the decisions I made heading down the wrong paths, big time wrong paths, I know was impacted because of praying parents. So you may think, we well, keep praying for my lost children. We keep praying. Has anything happened? Absolutely. Because there was times you could have looked at me and you would have said, there ain't no way that boy's coming back, but I did. And so you need to realize prayer impacts our lives. I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be behind this pulpit if it wasn't for prayer. There was a decision that, I, that happened. Just It was just the Lord drawing me. 
Let me tell you this. The job that I've, I, I put in July, I put in 25 years now at the ambulance service. I was 29 when I went. That tells you how old I am. And so uh, the, uh, this July, I'll be 26. But the, uh, so I went as a 29-year-old. As a and uh, to get that job, I, I worked at I worked at, I had never had a job before that I could not. Uh, that I get off of, of Saturdays. I always work. I don't care where I work. They made me work Saturdays from the time I was 15 on. There was never a Saturday I couldn't work. So I had a job working a route job, and and First Pentecostal Church was doing a men's prayer thing on Saturday, and in my heart I really wanted to go, and it aggravated me. And I'd already been praying. I hated my job. I hated it, but I needed it because I had kids to feed. And I had one kid at that time, and I, and I had insurance. And so, long story short, I'd been praying for a job and the opportunities to come up, but I would not take a job unless I knew it was a sure deal because I wasn't going back. Yes. So I was praying. When that prayer meeting come around, the first two weeks I missed it. And, buddy, I started praying. I said, no, I kind of got up. I was like, God, now you know my heart. Nobody knew I was praying this. God, you know my heart. Yes. I want to be in that prayer service. I've been praying for you to open a door. And I ain't forcing no doors open. You, Lord, you know I need to be in that, in that men's prayer meeting. You work that out. That same week I prayed that, I come into the store that the owner of the animal service, they used to have a grocery store, he'd sit behind there and ask me, and just open the door and just said, hey, hacker, won't you come work for me? And I thought he's kidding. Long story short, that night I turned my resignation in. Yeah. And I've never looked back. What happened? What was the difference? Yeah. Prayer. The fact that I'm behind this pulpit and some of the things in God's... There was a decision that 20... It'll be 20 years next month. That at First Pentecostal Church, we started a 40-day, right before Easter, prayer service in the morning. And it was only Monday through Friday. I don't know what the deal was. It was Pray USA. Remember that. And so our church participated. And I participated along with Brother and Sister Huff, Brother Jarvis, several other people. There was a small group. We participated. Well, I come on Saturday. They were praying Monday through Friday, and I thought, I'll slip in here on Saturday. I'll get, oh, yeah. me, I'll get me an extra dose. Yeah. And so Brother Huff, driving on his way to the radio station still before daylight, he said, well, hackers up there, I'm going to come up. So he came. So me and him started doing it seven days a week. Well, when the 40, you know what happens after 21 days? They say it makes a habit, right? Well, I can tell you it's true because when the 40 days was up, we kept going. Amen. We kept going. Now, until I came over here, and I still, even when I was here, was still before this hip surgery. Now, as soon as this gets lined out better, I'll be back. But this will be 20 years that we almost, I mean, there's days that we'd be gone or something would happen or horrible weather. But for the most part, that I kept going back almost 20 years now. And I can tell you that God did things during those 20 years in that, in that little prayer service that unbelievably changed my life. It wasn't because of anything super I did. It was just a fact you keep going back to the well. You keep going back to the well. You keep trusting in God. So I believe in prayer. I know it's so important. And I know there's a struggle we all face with it. So I need to get into this. Number one, there's power in prayer to calm your storm. You ever been in a storm? Some of you are going through some storms now. Our nation's going through a storm. We're going through all kinds of things. We see just, just quickly this, this verse in Psalms 107 talks about, and you see in these first uh, five verses, it's, you would, there's, they're making a mistake. They're not 
they see God, but they don't talk. They don't ask God for help. It says in these verses, it says they go down into the ship, the sea and ships. They do business in great waters. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth the waves up. They mount up to heaven. They go down again into the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro. They stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end. Have you ever been in that in your life? And it's like just it's just blowing you any way it can. And you're thinking, I'm going down. And you're going up. And you're diving down again. You're thinking, this is it. This time I'm not going to come back up again. Life is just destroying. I don't know what to do. You're at the end. But then it says, it transitions in verse 28. What's the transition? It says, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And what happens? And he bringeth them out of their distresses. Yes. He maketh the storm a calm. He that the, so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he bringeth them into their desired haven. What made the difference? They called out on God. Yes. And he heard them. He heard and he calmed the storm. This is just another picture of what Jesus did in that boat with them disciples. Jesus exhausted. He has done nothing but meet needs. He has just fed the thousands. They've just taken up the loads. He's exhausted because he is, all he does is pray and meet needs and he doesn't get any sleep. And so he gets on this boat and all of a sudden he is just, you know, he just sleeps. Of course, he don't have anything. He's God. There ain't nothing going to happen to him. And he's got, he knows what's, and so he's sleeping. All of a sudden, the waves are coming, and things are coming, and, they, and the disciples come and wake him up. Lord, do you not know what's going on? What are you going to do? And so Jesus has to get up, and what does he say? Peace be still. That's all it took. That's all it takes, his word coming from his mouth. Whatever you're facing today, all it takes is getting hold, waking up the mouth. He knew what was going on. He knows what's going on in your life. But sometimes he wants you to ask him, help me, Lord, my faith and confidence. This is the one thing you're going to see with, with, with faith and, and the, with prayer. It's a fa it's, prayer isn't that we have to twist God to do anything. We don't have to get his arm and say, do it, God, please, 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 please. No, God wants to know, do you trust me or are you trusting yourself? Most of the time we trust ourselves until we can't do it. And then we start crying out to God. God, true prayer, powerful prayer is when we, we get to the point where we say, God, I trust me none, you 100%. I know you can do it because I've seen you do it yesterday. You'll do it again. I trust you. Whatever you do, God, I trust you. Even if this don't go the way I want, I trust you. I put everything in your corner. I trust you. So we can see that there is power to calm your storm. Don't you wish it was that way every time? Don't you wish that, that we had that we could say every time we pray that God immediately takes it away from us? Immediately. By the way, it, it would be disastrous on your spiritual growth. Let me give you an example. If every time you as a child got up and you teetered or tottered, I better not try that too much, teetered or tottered there a little bit, or fell and all of a sudden they said, no more. That's it. Stop him. Put him back down on the seat. Don't let him get up. You'd never develop your strength or your legs, right? If you didn't go through a problem, you'd never know that God could deliver you through him. So that's one of the things. You know that story I've told you, the caterpillar. The caterpillar, when it's trying to get out of that cocoon, it's got to press and move and strengthen and get a wing out and move its body through. And as it's doing, it's pushing fluid through its body so that it's strengthening its wings. So when it finally falls out two hours later, it finally has got enough strength that it can now soar. Without the struggle, you never soar. We would love if the answer was always. And God can and God many times will. 
take you out of the storm. Thank God there's power in prayer to calm us. You know what else there's power in prayer to do? There's power in prayer to set captives free. This, this scripture I'm reading you is talking about the father with the deaf and dumb son who, who comes to the Lord and says, and he's crying. He's, he, is, he is tore. He's at his wit's end. This child, his, he's, every moment of the day, he's having to watch him because the demonic forces that has controlled his body has tried to kill him over and over again. This kid is in torment. And he comes. He hears about Jesus and he comes to him. He says in verse 20, Mark 9, 20 through 29, and they brought, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hurry because I got some verses, but this is good. If you, if, it's good stuff. Okay, not that I'm doing it, just his, the word is good. And they brought him unto him, to Jesus. And when he saw him straightway, the sp- boy, is this devil, is the devil bold? They bring him to Jesus, and what did he do? The spirit tear him. He threw him down the ground. It just wallowed him, right? You know what he's saying? You can't do anything about it. I don't care who you are. Boy, there is, there is strong spiritual forces you face sometimes. And this one stood and said, you can't make me come out. But oh, yes, he can. And it says, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. He's foaming at the mouth. I, I've seen some scary things in the past. Boy, and this, this kid was really possessed with this devil. He was saying, this is mine, get away. And he asked his father, how long ago is it since it came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, Lord, I'll take anything. I'll, you just give me a little help. Uh, have compassion on us and help us. Lord, can you do anything? Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Boy, that's hard sometimes. Can you believe? We say, absolutely, Lord, I know you can do it. But sometimes when you get just, it's just you and your problem. Do we really believe he can do it? Because sometimes that problem gets magnified and he gets smaller. Instead of him being magnified. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, and this is a good one, I prayed this many a time, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and said unto him, Thou deaf and dumb spirit, I charge thee, that means I command thee, come out of him and enter him no more. Amen. Come out and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, still wanting to hang on. And the spirit cried, you know what, it's powerless because of who told him to come out. And rent him sore, threw him down, so, and came out of him. And he was as one dead in so much that they said he's dead. All of a sudden, what, what's the difference? Why did they think he was dead? Because there's peace now. Yeah. It's gone now. And it says, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him probably, why could we not cast him out? Lord, we, why couldn't we do it? We tried. We couldn't do it. Why is this? And Jesus said unto them, This can come forth by nothing but by what? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So it, there is, God uses the times that you spend on your knees before Him putting, and putting your faith and your confidence in Him, saying, Lord, the more I look at you, the more I realize how powerful you are. The more I look at you, the more I realize how weak I am, and my faith is in you. And Lord, the more I get in your presence, the more I realize you can do anything. And so there is times, that's why it's so important when we face enemies like this that we have been in the altar already. 
Don't wait till you face that situation against your family, your children, your grandchildren, that problem that you're coming up against that you've not been in the prayer closet. Many times we wait until all of a sudden the enemy's already got something going on, a stronghold in a life, and then we start crawling on God. When the enemy could, we should be able to, if we are in that prayer closet, we would be able to see the spiritual attack that's on and rebuke that in the name of the Lord and make uh, the power of God it will come and move and do It's nothing we do. It's a fact that we believe Him and trust Him and He can set captives free. Paul tells us about some of these things we're going to face. He told us in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we know that when we're talking about the, the full armor of God. It says in verse 12, if you kind of get a picture of what this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You ain't, you ain't dealing with Joe and Bill and your next door neighbor, that guy at work, woman at work you don't like, or that banker that's always rude or whatever. You're not dealing with real people. The problems that you're dealing with is spiritual foes that you can't even see with the naked eye. It says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It would be nice if we could. That's all we dealt with. But we're fighting against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He's talking about a demonic hierarchy. He's talking about these. In some of the scripture, Daniel dealt with this. And he's waiting on the answer of God. And all of a sudden, this prince of Persia is wrestling against the answer to get to him. And there's a spiritual struggle going on to keep Daniel from getting the good thing that God's already sent to him. And there's a battle going on. And he's talking about spiritual principalities. And even in our life and even in people's hells and other things that we're dealing with, we see that people and, and you say, how in the world does it get that bad? There is spiritual attacks going on in people's lives. In Scripture over and over and over, Jesus had to rebuke spirits and set people free. Do you think in this last hour when the devil knows his time is so short that he can't, he just, he's looking, is it over? I know it's coming quick. We all can tell that. And we know that time is short and we know that he has more activity going on now than ever before. There's more demand forces and in 2020 we've seen it and we're seeing it again this year there is an attack and it's not just on people it's on the church and so we're facing things that we have no power in ourselves to be able to come against but the Lord himself is sitting here saying but if you pray and you fast and you call on my name these foes will be totally delivered you will break the enemy's back I've, I've seen it so many times that there has been, there's been strongholds in people's lives and it takes the Lord to do the miraculous. The Lord to do the miraculous. I've seen it in people that's so close to me and it's, and it's a miracle what God can do. Yeah. It's a miracle because we can't do it. You can talk to people till they're blue in the face. You can give them the nine steps to success. You can put them in a rehab program. You can bribe them with anything you can. But there's nothing going to make the thing situation turn around until the presence of God gets a hold of their life. And it happens when God's people pray. This church, we need to learn that that's how we get a hold of God. So we see that there is power in prayer to calm storms, to set captives free. You know what else? There's power in prayer to do the impossible. I'm not talking about hard to believe. I'm talking about the impossible to human standards. Let me read you another verse. This is, this is a beautiful passage. It's, it's amazing. And then I'm going to tell you one that happened like it recently. Acts 9, 36 through 41 is going to tell us a story about Tabitha. And it says, now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Death's final, isn't it? Death's final as far as we're concerned. Death's final. We quit praying for a miracle. 
but maybe we shouldn't. Because it says, she was sick and died, and whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. So she was already prepared for her burial. Yes. It was done. Hours has passed. Don't know how many, but many hours has passed. And for as much as Lydia was nigh, or uh, Lydia was uh, nigh Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. No, this ain't Jesus. This is Peter. This is a disciple that he said, you'll do more, better, and bigger things. So Peter was there, and they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay and come to them. So they're not only has she been dead, and they washed her and put her in an upper room. However many miles this city is, they have to send to get Peter, get Peter and bring him back. Well, this could be the next day. So we see that they come, and Peter rose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into an upper chamber. And when all the widows stood by him weeping and showing him, showing the coats and garments that Dorcas made while she was with him. She's a good, godly woman. They loved her. They missed her. Their heart was broken. But Peter put them all forth. They didn't say. They brought him to do something, but they're showing him all that's happening, and their heart's broken. But Peter puts them all out. It says, Peter put them all forth, all out. And kneeling down and prayed and turned him to the body. Now, you think this doesn't take faith? He said, Tabitha, arise. And when he did, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. You're talking about revival. You're talking about, you you have a casket in front of you. We have a service. I've looked for that a few times. <laughs> I felt God's spirits are strong in some some uh, some uh, funerals. Man, I'm I mean I've had you know there's people been speaking in tongues. There. I'm thinking, my goodness, wouldn't that be awesome? But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you had that, and you have somebody raise up. Why you'll have to knock the back of the building off to try to get an opening for people to come. People's wanting to see something like that. But can God do that today? Absolutely. And he gave, he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God did the miraculous. Amen. God did the miraculous in that situation. And he did something that was impossible by anything that we can imagine. I've told this, this story before, but man, this is, this is in our lifetime. Uh, the, I was B.H. Clendenin, a mighty man of God, preaching. And he wasn't even at this. He, he recorded one of his biggest ministries is that he did uh, one of the greatest things he did while, when he become, it's kind of like uh, Moses when he was an older man, maybe 70. God gave him a ministry of missions. And so he started, uh, he started going into Russia and different places. And, he, and the Lord gave him this, uh, all this material that he was preaching and teaching. And he wanted it to be done over and over again called the School of Christ. And that's how I got involved with him. And I started going to some of his stuff. And he's, he's been dead for several years now. But his material is still going on. And so they would, they would take these. And there is like uh, several weeks they would put these. Uh, uh, they would take this material and get a vi- video player. And go to these foreign countries and communist countries and, and Islamic countries. And they would get together some in secret places. And they would teach the power of the blood and the power of the Holy Spirit and the healing power. And, and it was broken into different sessions. There might be ten sessions on the Holy Spirit. And what they would do is they would pray for like 50 minutes to an hour. And then they would do an hour session. And then they would pray another 50 minutes to an hour. And then they'd do another session. They'd do this all day long for, I don't know how, for like three weeks. 
every day, eight hours a day, session, uh, uh, prayer, session, prayer. It was just totally sandwiched with prayer. And you think that doesn't make a difference. So this training is going on, and all of a sudden there's, there's all, this, uh, uh, all this tenderizing going on in people's hearts. And so when the word comes forth, they've been praying and crying and calling out on God, and boy, it hits good ground. Well, they just had finished the section on divine healing. They went through several sections, sections on. There was 40 of them that was coming to this. And, and this country, I forget, I forget where it was. It, I think it may be one of the African countries. And, and there was, a, there was uh, these little preachers. There's like 40 of them that have been coming to this. And so there was one day they got to one of the sessions. And all of a sudden, this one young man, he didn't show up. Well, he's been to every one of them. What's happened to him? How come he didn't come? He usually rides his bicycle. He usually gets there. Well, it's two hours. And all of a sudden, somebody finally comes and finds them and tells them, he was riding toward the service that morning and a car ran him over on his bicycle and killed him hours before. Well, they were heartbroken. They couldn't believe it. He's been dead for hours. And so they said, Brother, haven't we been talking about divine healing? Yes, we have. Well, we need to do Can't we, can't we pray them over him? And I, and I can imagine, I can imagine the answer to that question, but they said, we want to go get him. So they went and got his body. They brought it back where they've been doing all this training. This is hours later. He's dead, been dead. He's real dead. And they get him in there. And they said, they start calling out on the Lord and say, You said in your word that you will heal and you can you raise the dead. And now, Lord, we believe in you can do it. We trust you. We believe you. We put our confidence in you. Raise him up in the name of Jesus Christ. And guess what happened? He raised up. He raised up. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. And so someone that was part of that was come back and told us about it. Let me tell you something. You're talking about your faith getting increased. You're talking about when you pray from now on, all of a sudden something a bit more steel in your spine. When you see God move like that, what's the difference? They prayed with faith. They believed what they prayed. And so God was able to do the impossible. Number four, th th there is power in prayer. I'm trying to hurry. To heal the sick. James 5, 14, 16 tells us these verses. Is there sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, this worth coming up again, faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much it's saying here that God heals bodies don't we need that today don't we need that today? Let me tell you something. There is a, there is some time. I, I, I pray over this all the time. God, let us see this. Let us see it all the time. Let this be something that becomes the norm. There's people that we're praying for. Angela, we've been crying out. Some of these needs that we're crying out for tonight. We're trusting God. We put, God's going to do the work. We want to see God move. But let me tell you something. God can deliver immediately. God can do mighty and great things if we do what He asks, if we trust Him, if we call out on Him. I can tell you all the different times that He's, that he's healed, all the different times that He's healed me, all the times He's healed my children. I told, even told you He healed a cat. If He heals a cat, He'll heal somebody you love. 
Because I wouldn't give you 10 cents, but he healed a cat. I, I mean, it was crazy. I watched him. I, and so you all, some of you all think I'm an idiot. My son, four years old, I'm, I, and just to clarify, because somebody online probably don't know, had a cat, four years old, been teaching him God can do anything. He comes to me at night. This cat, we have these kittens, and this cat is so sick and so dying that rigor mortis has already set in. This cat's so stiff, you couldn't bend its leg if you tried. This cat was barely breathing. It's in the, we got it in a box in the bathroom. My intentions are 1.30 in the morning when I get up to go to work, I'm burying the cat. I know what's going to happen. The cat's going to die. It's, all, it's barely breathing. My son comes to me, four years of age, tears coming down his face. Dad, please pray for the cat. And I'm sitting there thinking, I can't do it. I can't do it. How do I do it? And I'm thinking, before I thought, and I, it's pitiful. Okay, that was, that was before the 20-year prayer thing, okay? So I just want you to know that. So, uh, so I mean, I was young. My son was four, and he's, he's, getting, he's 33 now, so 29 years ago. So he said to me, pray for the cat. And I say, son, you pray for, why don't you pray for the little kitty? You pray, honey, because he's crying. He's the one tore up about it. So he, and he did. It was the most pitiful, sweet little prayer you've ever heard. And tears just, just rolling down his cheek, Jesus, and quivering chin. And I'm not making fun of him. It was the sweetest. And as soon as he prayed it, first thing I thought was, oh, that was the sweetest prayer. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Now when I have to bury that cat, what's he going to believe? He ain't going to believe in God no more. <laughs> little faith. I forgot the faith part. He had the faith. I didn't. That's why he said pray for the cat. So I got up early the next morning, dreading my heart, knowing I was going to have to go bury that cat. When I got up heading toward that bathroom door where the door was closed, that, and I've told you this, but it's just amazing to me. I hear, the, it sounded like somebody digging a tunnel. They were scratching on that door. I've never seen the big. I opened that door, and so help me, a kangaroo come out of that bathroom. That thing was bouncing four feet high, running around the house like it had been given, uh, not, I mean, some type of uh, adrenaline or something. That cat was more alive than I've ever seen a cat. Do you know who got who you know who got dealt with with faith that day? Me. No, I'm the one who had to get the lesson. Jor wasn't surprised. He was, well, that's what's supposed to happen, ain't it? God can do anything. If God can heal a cat, God can heal that person that you love so much. God is still a faithful God. Last, this is it. There is power also in prayer to break down spiritual bondage that's going on. In Matthew 18, 18 to 20, let me tell you, I'm, I'm talking about some of these people that you think, God, they ain't never got, and I know I had something close to this, but there, this is a little different. Matthew 18, 18 through 20 says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever, and you've heard this before, but I'm going to challenge you with what it says before. Uh, whosoever, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now that's powerful stuff. How many times have we used that? If two or three are gathered, the Lord's in the midst. Now, now here's the thing I want you to do. I ain't going to do it right now. Go back. If you read the verses right before this, it's, it's not talking about calling out on God for meeting somebody's needs and whatever. It's talking about church discipline, by the way. It's talking about the, the verses before this. Is some, he's given instructions. says, if somebody that used to be a brother, someone that one of your brothers or sisters in the church, they basically turn their back and they do things against you, go to them in private and try to talk to them and see what they do. Then it says, if they don't hear you, then bring them to another brother or bring it for a couple other brothers. And, deal. and then if they still don't hear you, they're in rebellion. 
They've rejected the things of God. Now they're becoming like reprobate. They're, they're turning. I've had people close to me that has told me, I don't care what I'm doing. I know it's wrong, and I don't care. And I knew that you knew they were running from the things of God. And it's talking about that type of person. It says, bring them to the church. And then it says, cast them out. It's, it's church discipline what it's talking about. So what it's talking about says, if this happens, it says that if two or three together agree on, on earth as touching anything that ye shall ask, he shall be done for them as of, uh, of my Father which is in heaven for two or three gathered in my name. There I'm in the midst. You know what it's talking about? Some of these people that we care about that's running from God 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. It's talking about these people. You can't fix them. You've tried. You've talked. You've done everything in your power. You've got to the point where it's hopeless inside of you. He's saying that you need to get together, bind together with some others. And I'm going to be in the midst of that. And I can arrest that heart when no one else can. I can do the work. I can do that rebellious heart that's running from me. I have the final word. That enemy has one goal. He's going to run them to the end and then he's going to cut them off. He's going to kill them for eternity. But God says, I have the upper hand. I have the final command. We see that he is able to break spiritual bondages that are impossible for you and me. Nobody could touch legion Nobody could do anything with him. He was a scary individual. You would have told your kids, don't you go a mile to that graveyard. Don't you get anywhere near that graveyard. That man's a crazy man. He will kill you. And he, he looked at it and he acted. He's naked. He's cutting himself. He's crying out. Jesus is on the mountainside across the, across the lake. He's crying out all night. Jesus comes, gets it, walks to the boat, gets in the boat, comes, and he lands on the sea. And what is he doing? He, he's got a divine appointment with this man that was impossible. Nobody could tie him. No one could help him. No one could set him free. He was in misery. What did he need? Not put out of his misery. He needed saved. He needed Jesus. We see that he comes running to the Lord. And Jesus rebuked those spirits within him. And 3,000 pigs were filled with these spirits, ran over a cliff, and drowned. Caused a big stink because that was everybody's livelihood. But, did, but the people was worried about the pigs. But they didn't see a man sitting clothed in his right mind that they had been so fearful of they would even come out of their house. They seen the miracle that was going on and all they were worried about their finances. Jesus set him free. He has the ability to do the impossible that you and I can't. Let me tell you a quote that Charles Spurgeon says. He says, if sinners be damned... At least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. If their families and those that we're crying out for, if they choose to keep going that direction, let it not be because there's not enough of these tears flowing down your face. Because I've seen God answer prayers after many years that were impossible. This woman that we prayed for, Sister Jarvis, prayed for her husband for I think 38 to 40 years that God would heal or save him. He was a good man and sometimes that's a problem. You're good enough, you think you don't need God. I'm good the way I am, I don't need God. I've not done anything wrong, I don't need Him. I'm good, He'll let me in. That's a lie. That's not the way it works. She prayed for him and prayed for him. And then the word came, he's got cancer. And he's not got long to live. He's in the hospital and he's getting worse. And the pastor of the church at that time kept going. And he was still hard. 
And they kept praying and keep hanging on. Hospice had to be called. And they come to her. And they seen how desperate she was for him to get saved. She's still crying out. She's getting desperate. God, you promised me. And I'm trusting in you. And I know prayer works. And I am not letting him take his last breath. You're going to save him. And she keeps holding on. And that hospice nurse said, Now, honey, everybody deals with things different. And they deal with God different than you. You just need to let him do it his own way. And she rebuked that woman and said, I will not accept that. I prayed for this man for 38 years. And when he gets saved, I'm going to know he gets saved. And I'm not going to quit. And all of a sudden, it just a couple days later, all of a sudden that pastor of the church showed up one day, checking on him again. And all of a sudden, there's something different about him this time. He said, I've been, he told the preacher, I've been, been praying. I think he admitted, I've been praying. And the preacher was able to pray a sinner's prayer with him. And his life was so changed. Pastor Jarvis, he got to fly out a few days before he died. He said, I want to see my dad for one time as saved. I want to see how he... And he said his difference, his attitude, his smile, his whole demeanor was so different. I knew without a shadow of a doubt he had the Lord in his heart. God answers prayers and does things when people reject and reject and reject. And God's able to arrest hearts and do the impossible. Don't you dare let go. Don't you dare let go because he can break spiritual bondage. Let me give you just a couple more quotes and we're going to close. Corey Timboom from Hiding Place. She said this, Any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. Nothing's too small for God. E.M. Bounds, a man who wrote many unbelievable books in the old of prayer says, in fact, he wrote a book called The Power of Prayer. Uh, he said this, Prayer should not be regarded as a duty. Many times, don't we feel that way? It's a duty. We've got to do it. We're supposed to do it. But, which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. A rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. If we start seeing prayer as a delight, what is God going to do? Billy Graham said this, The Christian life is not a constant high. I have many moments of deep uh, discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. You mean somebody like Billy Graham? struggled but the answer was prayer there was there was one more quote Soren uh, Kierkegaard said this the function of prayer and this is so true the function of prayer is not to influence God but rather to change the nation or the nature of the one who prays it's not to change God it's for God to change us that's what the nature of prayer is so tonight, we just, just wanted to encourage you tonight. There is power in prayer. Don't you, don't you think for one second that it's less powerful now than it was when Jesus walked this earth. It's more powerful because He's on the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is here ready to do the work. But the, the, the church, many times, just like in Scripture, so many times the Lord's looking for someone to stand in the gap. And He says, but I couldn't find anyone. Don't let that be the case. Do not let that be the case in this church. Do not let that be the case in this community. We believe in the power of prayer, don't we? We believe in the power of prayer. How many has something in your life that you said, God, you are a, you do you can do it, Lord. I've been hanging on, and I know you can do this, and I'm trusting you tonight. You're going to meet it. You don't have to tell me what it is. Just raise your hand. You've got something you can say, I need, right here, I've got a miracle I need. I, I know that you're, the, the answer is you. Amen? Tonight, if we could, at the end of this service, let's put this to practice. Let's together stand, if you would, and all together tonight, 
Let's talk to God and tell Him who He is and how we're trusting in Him. And you lift up that thing that you're concerned about and saying, God, I'm trusting you to meet it. God, help me to see the power of prayer in this need. God, give me faith. God, give me confidence. God, let your testimony be in my heart. And when you meet this, I'm going to tell the world of what you've done. And God is a faithful God. He's looking for us. Let me tell just before we do that, let me tell you something. If you as a mother hear your child cry out in pain, what do you do? You run. If the child has a need and someone's bothering them and they call out for dad, what does he do? He runs. Why? You respond to the cry of your children and God does the same. Why did he put that in their hearts? Because he does the same thing with us. He wants to hear our cry. And He'll answer tonight. Tonight, let's just be bold. Don't doubt, but trust and believe and have faith. And trust God. Say, this is the year, Lord. You're going to change the way we pray. You're going to let us see the mind. Let's do it tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Everybody pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we come before you tonight. And God, we believe you. And we believe in prayer with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and strength. God, I don't care what's going on in this nation. I don't care what we see in this world. You're still on the throne. You're still doing the miraculous. And God, we believe you and trust you. And God, we put our confidence in you. And God, I pray that God, every need that's being brought up, every heaviness in our heart, every lie of the devil that says it'll never happen, God, I pray that you would give such confidence. God, I pray that you would give such faith. That God, you would give us such belief that you can do anything, God. That Lord, there wouldn't be any doubt. There wouldn't be any thought. But God, there would just be praise that would raise up in our hearts to believe that you're on the throne that you're moving and hearing and God you would meet needs that we've been praying for for years that God revival would be able to spring forth because we would see a holy God hears the people's prayer God it's not how good we are it's not how well we pray but it's who we pray to and we believe you're on the throne 